hello and welcome to the previously award-winning K9 Hooper's World podcast. Everyone's invited. is sponsored by the Professional Association of Canine Trainers, affectionately known as PACT. On Sunday the 16th of October, PACT are hosting the Connecting Communities Conference. It's at the University of Winchester and there is an amazing lineup of speakers. The conference is in person so you get to meet real people in the world. It's also accessible. The talks are going to be short, snappy and interactive. There'll be lunch and wine, stands to look at and activities throughout the day. It's going to be a great day for all dog enthusiasts and you don't have to be a packed member to come. You can secure your place for just 20 quid. Find out more information on the Facebook page or on the website www.packed-dogs.com. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to season three. I think this is episode 19. I don't know. Jordan has completely messed up the schedule. He's come bulldozing through and gone, Carrie, my favorite big sister, please can we? Thanks. So, Jordan Shelley, how are you? I'm very well. How are you? Thank you for messing up the schedule for me. <laughs> <laughs> um so the the episode that we've messed up was with the fantabulous Rachel Pocock um and I'm sure she will forgive you yeah. um so people have to listen to Rachel a bit later on because unfortunately Jordan has some time sensitive information and because apparently I record way too far in advance because yeah. I'm actually organized <laughs> um we've had to shuffle around the episodes a little bit so, Jordan, we had actually pre-recorded this episode and then you sent me a message going... I've you out a few times, this one. <laughs> like, I've, I'm getting deja vu, babe, because we've we've done this um, and now apparently we're doing it again because the, the irony of it is, right, the last episode that I recorded with you that will now not be going out mm-hmm. um, because not all the information is going to be correct, but also you were adamant that your days of writing petitions and doing all of that good stuff <laughs> was over. Yeah. So, yeah. Pinocchio, how's life? <laughs> About that. Well, the new petition. <laughs> right, um, come on, let's get into it. What? So, the, for those that... If you haven't listened to the first episode, we did. We were talking about the anti-cropping campaign and why mutilating dogs is not a fucking thing and why you shouldn't do it. Now, what are you petitioning against? So it's not against anything. Actually, it's for something, which is quite nice. Um, and it's, it's because the bill that um, has the ear cropping in it and actually a load of other things is currently stuck in limbo in Parliament. So it's just sat there. Nobody's doing anything. They're all faffing about talking politics with each other and nobody's actually passing any laws. And so we started a new petition, um, which is hashtag don't forget animals. And it's in this don't forget animals in this current political chaos. Take the kept animals bill through Parliament and make it law. And if you go on to um, animaljournal.co.uk, my site, um, you'll see right at the very top, the first pinned article is a hashtag don't forget animals. Click on that. It will tell you all about the um, petition and why the kept animals bill is so important. And um, it will also link you through to the the new petition on the government website. So why we've done a new petition is basically so that by the time politicians get back in September, it kicks this back up the political agenda and they have to have another discussion about it and possibly another debate. And so there's actually some kind of movement at the moment, everyone's on the ghost load. Because for international listeners, if you aren't aware, um, this is not a political podcast, but our (laughs) political situation at the moment (laughs) is a shit show. And um, old Bojo, well, bye, Um, (laughs) to put it bluntly. But that has meant that stuff that was kind of being processed and going through has now stopped because there's no one in charge, technically. 
Yeah. Well, and and everything seems to have grinded to a halt. There was there was another bill that was dropped earlier on in the year. This one they were saying was going to happen. They carried there was a carryover motion so that it moved into this next parliamentary session, um, and then still nothing's happened. And you kind of feel like well, we've got to give them a bit of a kick up the um, jacksy. So this is what we're doing, and this yeah. bill contains. Um, legislation to end puppy smuggling and the importation of croc dogs. It has um, restrictions uh, that will hopefully end the keeping of primates as pets. It will end live exports. It will implement the dog abduction offence, which in my opinion should also be a cat abduction offence as well, but that's a whole discussion for another day. Mm -hmm. And um, it also has a livestock worrying uh, element to it. So it's huge and it's just sat there doing nothing. And we need to make sure that it does something and that it passes. And so that's why we started all this and why um, actually tomorrow after recording this podcast, I know this will come out in the future, I'm going to be sat doing um, loads of radio and TV interviews all about why it's so important with Daniel Allen from the Pet Theft Campaign and um, with uh, Mark Abraham, the vet, who worked on the puppy import stuff. All three of us are going to go on the radio and TV and try and shout as loud as we can amazing and we need to keep shouting and we need to make sure that we're doing right by the animals because it kind of felt like there was a glimmer of hope and we were getting somewhere and now all of a sudden they're sort of they're dulling the sparkle and I don't like it yeah you really like life to be sparkly well exactly (laughs) we need it to be sparkly so can we just unpick some little elements of it because I know there's a lot but let's just kind of talk about those little elements a little bit because I think it's important for people to understand exactly why this bill is so bloody important Mm -hmm. Uh, so which uh, element do you want me to start with this go down the list you've got the list in front of you so you know what you're talking about so um, puppy smuggling is obviously hugely important. You know, the, this in particular since COVID, there's been a huge increase in the number of young um, puppies being smuggled into the country mm-hmm. um, to fuel demand, especially after there was restrictions on um, puppy farming here in the UK. So then what happened was, was basically people started to import them from abroad instead from puppy farms. And it's a little bit, like offshoring cruelty basically and it's the same with quite a few of these things in this bill it's that what we've done is we've said no you can't do that here so just go into it somewhere else which is wrong Um, and actually if we're going to have that rule it should be across the board and should apply to imports too so it will raise the um minimum age of import and we'll make sure that we can't be moving really heavily pregnant bitches as well which i think is super important because I know there's, I know there's going to be a little bit of pushback on that part because obviously, genuine yeah. breeders that you know are breeding responsibly, especially rare breed dogs and stuff. If you've got your heart set on a breed and there aren't any in the country or the gene pool is small, then you're going to need to go elsewhere to look at it. But I think we need to look. My at- understanding is that it actually just applies to commercial imports. Ah, oh, amazing. So if you were to go abroad as an individual and you were to go and you were to take on a dog in that country and that dog was to become yours, they won't stop you coming back. Okay. If you were to come back with a van full of like five or ten, they might, but because that's another thing that's also going to stop it. It's going to bring the, the number of dogs that people can bring in on a pet passport down to five from okay. being a yeah so that's another thing because what's happening is is often dogs are being imported under the pet passport scheme when really they should be imported under the commercial scheme which is traces and they're not and so there's like it's just trying to close that loophole as well Um, so hopefully it won't really um damage those individuals but it it will uh impact the trade which i think is really important yes yeah 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 so then what's the next bit uh where are we the next you bit have is the list. Um, number two sorry i the list number two is the uh is obviously ear cropping which i should know a lot about because i ran that campaign you did like a whole time. episode on the cropping about why it's not a thing but also that i do think that it's so so important isn't it for them to because part of the the thing of it now you see a dog cropped ears and they're automatically go oh well it's an import yeah <laughs> right <laughs> but is it yeah and uh, often the dogs are too young to have been imported so either they're lying or the dog was imported underage so either way something illegal has happened there so they've Um, either been cropped in this country or 
they've been brought in too young, both of which are illegal for bloody good reasons. So either way, you're being a dick to dogs. Don't do it. Yeah, and, and in between uh, 2015 and 2021, there's been a 1,243% increase in reports of illegal mutilations of dogs' ears to the RSPCA, which is a crazy number. Um, and oh. so we just, yeah, um, and so it's, it's, a lot of it is because of imports being able to be used as smokescreen. And what a lot of people don't understand is often these dogs are coming in from countries where cropping's already illegal and they're exporting the evidence and prosecutions are never bought. It's illegal in every EU state. Most people don't realize that, but it is every EU state right across the EU, it's illegal. So um, it shouldn't be happening. They shouldn't be coming from there. Um, and we need to see this, this law enacted to kind of clamp down on that. Yep. So then number three? Number three, um, I'll go with uh, <laughs> livestock worrying, um, which is obviously an important thing. Um, I think that there's been lots of increases in particular um, over the lockdowns when people have been have more time to go away with their dogs to different bits of the countryside and have been wandering around and doing silly things with dogs around livestock. If it's not your livestock, put your dog on the lead. It's just, it doesn't matter how well trained you believe your dog is or what fantabulous things you think you've trained them to do. If you're around other people's livestock, simply out of respect for their livelihood and for the well-being of those animals, you should put your dog on a lead. And, and, and very often, dogs don't even have to worry the sheep for there to be a problem their their very presence running around in a field where ewes are pregnant can cause them to miscarry and and that's super damaging to the animals welfare their health and also to the livelihood of the farmers i mean for people that don't know much about sheep they kind of just try and die like yeah, sheep scared. are rubbish they like roll over and get stuck upside down and die they fall into holes and die they run around and abort their babies. Like, honestly, they're, they're a little bit shit, really. <laughs> um, if anyone watched Clarkson's Farm, um, as he was like, I'm going to buy sheep. I was like, well, that's just stupid. <laughs> like, why, why does anyone need to buy sheep? And then I think he realised why he didn't actually need sheep because yeah. they're bloody hard work. And this is the thing. Also, there have been there aren't any scientific papers on it unfortunately because scientists have different things to look at but there is lots of anecdotal evidence for people that work sheep that the sheep know the difference between a dog that is on a lead and a dog that is loose yeah 100 uh, percent and i'm sure they can sense the, the 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 not just the change in movement but also the chemical changes the dog gets aroused and starts running yeah. around you know yeah. that's a, it's kind of a no-brainer they also like when a farmer works a dog around sheep the dog and the sheep build a relationship with each other mm -hmm. so they know each other and they trust each other and that's the other thing that's why i said unless it's your own babe, life, we know yeah. how it works like yeah, yeah super important and yeah. so i just think people should avoid uh uh, yeah, if you're near livestock, just and it's not just sheep as well. Because I'm not being funny. If your if your dog ends up in a field full of cows, <laughs> it could die. Yeah. Facts. If your horse, if your dog ends up in a field full of horses, it could die. Yeah. Also, horses tend to run through things, which is not helpful. And cows will go through fences. That's why there's barbed wire. It's to keep cows in because cows just push through stuff. So just, yeah, keep dogs on lead around livestock club done. Right, next point. <laughs> um, ending, I mean, whack it through these. Ending the uh, keeping of primates as pets and uh, like bringing in licensing and restricting. I think this one is super important and not one that we talk about often enough. Like, you know, primates are really complex social creatures that live in, in usually large groups or family groups at least. Yeah. And often they're being kept in little tiny bird cages on their own. It's awful. And you see like the states, some of them come in. And it was um, the guys at Monkey World that were heading this up. You know, they do that eight, the eight rescue down in Dorset. Mm -hmm. I think um, they've rescued like 123 primates from the pet trade in the UK. 
And there's over 150 monkeys waiting on their waiting list for a home within the UK. Mental. And so these are like often um, marmosets, uh, really commonly kept as pets. Um, and people think they're cute and they're small and they're this and they're that, but they're not. Well, they are. Yeah. But well, that doesn't mean pets. they should live in your house. <laughs> yeah. Get a Furby or something instead. They can't. Oh, well, no, simple. those things are Furby. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I never have one of those because that just creeped me out a bit too much. Although now we have the bitch in the box that listens to everything I say anyway. So what difference does it make? Um, but yeah, like. I think as well, like, because obviously, like, you know, in Friends, they had Marcel, the little monkey. And I think it was kind of one of those things that back in the day, it was sort of accepted. But again, as we know more about behavior and as we understand more about the complexity of primates, you know, Mm. I've I've been very fortunate to kind of have a bit of a meet and greet with um, orangutans and that they're just so close to us it's crazy and you think one of the ultimate punishments for people is put in solitary confinement yeah so to take an animal away from all 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 of its other kind of species all of its other type and put it in a little cage and go oh isn't it cute that's fucking horrific I tell you what's even worse as well is that then they have an individual monkey that is like completely institutionalized and messed up from not having any social contact. Mm-hmm. They often then try and breed from that monkey. So then introduce it to another monkey that has been living in the same kind of environment and the absolute carnage that comes from that, which is not, they don't know each other. It's unbelievable. And that's quite a common practice. Like people, I've found a couple of forums online where people say, oh, I would like to breed my monkey with your monkey. And they go and they uh, like to try and do it with a dog. I mean, it's like just so different. These are- I mean, I'm assuming that's that not live. an AI situation. They're literally just putting two unknown animals yeah. together and hoping that they- Hoping for the best when these monkeys are real, uh, complex social creatures that live in family groups and so to to have this like random mating with different it's just so unnatural and unnormal oh. for them and causes them so much stress and uh, um difficulty that i think it's something that really needs to be clamped down on and so it's I'm, monkey rape isn't it yeah yeah basically i'm gonna just put it out there it's just horrendous so right we don't we don't need people to keep monkeys as pets like it's not a thing no, uh, it's not a thing and it shouldn't be a thing. And, and, and most people don't have the space or the means to look after them properly and, and everything else. I mean, you need to be a little zoo, basically, to be, to be well, able to give them the environment they need. Yeah, and also, I mean, oh, it just raises too many questions. Like, I yeah. just don't understand. Like, if you want to go and like, see the monkeys, like, go and visit Monkey World. There we go. There you go, yeah. And they're, they're like, well go, go somewhere where they have the facilities because even like when we like look at zoos and stuff, how much zoos have improved and how much enrichment and everything else. And animals that are meant to be in social groups are in social groups. So, yeah. I mean, yes, occasionally animals have to go into isolation for health reasons, quarantine, whatever. But in general, they try and keep them the best they can because that's best practice. And we can pretty much say that best practice is not keeping an animal locked in a small cage on its own when it's meant to be social. That's just shit. Yeah, it's really terrible. I, I think it's awful. So, it makes my heart sad. Yeah, I understand. It makes my heart sad. I don't like it. And if you'd seen some of their little faces, I mean, it's really awful when they pull right. them out of these places. You don't want to because you'd be really upset. I, yeah, I, that that's one of those that like, I would wake up at three in the morning, like thinking about the poor little monkeys and no. And yeah. then asking Dale if we can like save all the monkeys and I can just <laughs> imagine what I'll be told. So it's probably yeah. a negative. Um, but people were listening to this and going, oh my God, this is all horrendous. Sign the petition. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. Thank you. <laughs> Petition, please. Um, go to the Animal Journal, click on the post, it will send you the link and you do the thing. Make sure as well, guys, it, because it's a government one, you do need to go onto your email and click that you have signed and that that is your email address for your signature to count. So make sure you do it properly and follow the actual instructions. Yes. Right, next point. 
I'm not very good at following instructions, but yes, follow the instructions. And the next point is um, implement the dog abduction offence, which we've heard a lot about, and that's raising um, the... So initially, dogs were treated as property rather than as sentient members of the family, um, which is bonkers. And so they were then brought in this offence to try and raise it um, to 10 years, carrying um, custodial sentences of up to five years for the theft of a dog. This new offence will introduce... Oh, he says my screen's gone blank whilst reading. We'll <laughs> introduce proper deterrence against dog theft. Data from 31 police forces across England and Wales showed that more than 1,800 recorded pet thefts in 2021, up to 25% from the 1,500 in 2020. Seven in 10 of the animal thefts recorded by police involved dogs. And that's why the dog theft, dog abduction offence is so important because we need people to be doing proper time to deter them from nicking people's dogs, basically. I mean, I, yeah, I can remember, especially like during lockdown and stuff, I wasn't taking the girls out on my own or without Dodge. I either had a German Shepherd with me or a large burly husband. I had backup <laughs> on one of those things because I didn't feel safe walking the girls on my own. No, to the that. point where I actually had this spray thing that if someone came near me, I'd spray it in their face and it would make them blue. Like, I, I have magic smurf spray to mark them <laughs> if anyone I, tried I to like keep get that in me. your pocket next time I come to visit. That's funny. Essentially, <laughs> <laughs> you just spray you in the face and then you're blue for like a week. You would Shit. do that as well. <laughs> um, but I think as well, like that was one of the things that the kind of the pandemic really fueled wasn't it was not only the increase in puppies but also the increase in animal theft and I think that it does need to be responded to and it does need to be treated seriously because it's not the same as having your phone nicked yeah having your phone nicked really shit and it's inconvenient and it's annoying but at the end of the day you can download most stuff back from the cloud and it's all right I I would be I can't even imagine what it would be like to have a dog stolen i mean the episode i did with um debbie matthews mm-hmm. heartbreaking you know to be in a shop and come out of a shop and your dog not be there nope so here's the thought guys don't leave dogs tied up outside shops yeah first of all um but also like even even if i'm going into the petrol station i make sure my crates are locked in my van i mean to be fair someone's have to be pretty freaking stupid to try and get the creature out but <laughs> It just, it worries me that someone might try it. So I make sure that all my crates in my van are locked when I'm not with the dogs because it's, yeah, it's scary. Yeah, it's, it's scary. And it's important that people take those precautions, but it's it's also important that the law reflects how dogs really are part of the family. Um, I think it should include cats too, but it's yes. a story for another day at the moment, it doesn't. And I also think that the ear cropping side of things and the banning of the import of um, dogs that have undergone low welfare practices is what the long title is, <laughs> um, should apply to cats too, because there's been a huge increase um, in the import of declawed cats. It's something um, like the, the PDSA poor report found something like 31,000 cats in 2022 have been imported specifically because they were declawed. What the fuck? Yeah, it's fucking nuts. Because declawing a cat's not like chopping off our fingernails. People think, oh, it's just a fingernail. It's not. It's like, you know, the second knuckle, the top knuckle on your finger? Mm-hmm. Like having it chopped off from there and doing that to all your fingers. I mean, it mm-hmm. completely damages the way in which they use their, their paws and how they interact with the world around them. And so you'd think that that would be in there, but it's not. But we're hopeful that if this gets through, that can come about in secondary legislation later with a bit of lobbying. So yeah, we just yeah, need yeah. to keep pushing and pushing and get this through. Because, I mean, I, I used to work at Cattery. I love cats. And the thing is, like, yeah, sometimes they scratch a little bit. But the feeling of a cat needing you with their little feet <laughs> and you just get the little tips of their nails in, like, that, that's like a, that's a little love tap, that is, from a cat. <laughs> like, that means they like you. I mean, if it's full-on claws out scratching, it's not so nice. But you know what I mean? That little needy kind and, and of... And most people, I think, the reason why they said they were going to get a cat that was declawed was actually down to their furniture. And if you don't want a cat scratching your furniture, don't get a cat, you numpties. Like, a weird excuse. So, yeah. again, you're going to mutilate an animal because you wanted to have a sofa. 
Oh my God, honestly. This, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this I've I feel this is a soapbox episode, isn't it? I'm like my blood pressure. <laughs> I, I can feel the blood pressure rising right now. Like I'm gonna need to go for a run or something after this, just because I'm gonna be angry. Um heaven yeah. <laughs> forbid if I see any dog when I'm out wearing a stupid bloody collar or something, because someone's gonna get the brunt of it. <laughs> so What's There's the one more. There's one more. And the one more is the ending of life exports, which is also super important because what animals go through when they're shipped abroad to be slaughtered is really obscene. Um, they're either shipped to be fattened and slaughtered or a mixture of things. And it's so unnecessary because all of this can happen in country if need be, and it can save them so much, um, so much grief. Uh, I think we really need to change that and work on on finding alternate alternate ways of i mean or just don't eat them in the first place that's a different discussion i well, no, um, no, no. i don't mind tapping into that a little bit because the reason i personally do not eat meat is because i do not agree with the abattoir process yeah i don't agree with the way meat is processed if so actually the last piece of meat i had was a deer that was hunted in when I was in America and it was a friend of ours been out hunting he had killed a deer he had processed it he put it on a plate yeah that that I could deal with the way that the fact that animals are farmed the same way as crops basically is just not nice I have trained a pig and the pig picked up the training quicker than the English bull terrier that lived in the house. <laughs> um, no offense to the bull terriers because we love them, but um, yeah, the pig was smart, I'd just saying. Um, they are. I think that when we when we talk about kind of transporting animals for slaughter, the journey should be as short and stress-free as possible and the end of that animal's life should be as quick and stress-free as possible. Yeah, and I also think that there's no point in having really high welfare standards in this country and the way in which we do things if animals are then shipped abroad to be subject to the really low welfare practices. And so, I mean, even one case recently where there was a, I don't know, it was a boatload of sheep, it was awful. Um, and it went into a port and it sunk and half of them were dying and all sorts of terrible things. I was sent all the videos and photos. Please don't send me mm-hmm. um, And it was Lovely. Terrible. Yeah, no wonder you have trouble sleeping, yeah. Dave. <laughs> um, and so I just I just think that we need to really think very carefully because those, those processes abroad are really damaging and that's why we don't do them here. So why are we sending live animals to have that done to do them somewhere else? It's again, offshore. I mean, surely if we, by doing all the slaughtering in house for want of a better term the house being the united kingdom um surely that would kind of create jobs and work and you know it means that if people were working in slaughterhouses here then the animals go to the source then the meat is exported because a live animal and meat are different things yeah, and they're left baking in these like ship shipping containers in the heat with no water, no food, nothing. I mean, it's really horrendous and really long journeys, and it's just unacceptable. Um, and so that that really must change. I mean, I think back to like you know horsey days, traveling the horses to competitions or to go to the beach or whatever. You know, every horse would have its own partition in the trailer or the lorry, and they'd have their hay nets. And they'd have their travel boots on, they'd have their rugs, and some of them would have a little soft bit on top of their heads so they didn't bump their heads. And then, honestly, it's one of the things... Your horses ones were definitely all pink and sparkly, weren't they? (laughs) I can imagine. (laughs) You know, there was like... It was basically Barbie's dream ponies. I can imagine. (laughs) <laughs> there, there was a lot of pinkness even my boy pony wore pink um because he was that awesome that he wore pink and he was cool but i just think that when we're traveling precious cargo mm-hmm. we kind of took time i can i can always remember the lambs coming up from one side the farm to the other they were just put in the trailer and it's like a five minute drive but still, by the time they got to the top of the farm, to the lovely new pasture with all the lovely new grass and it was all lovely, 
one of the lambs had managed to slip over. One of the others had trodden on it on the way up. And it was very stressful and it was okay. And it, we sort of checked it over and I think it was just a bit bruised and a bit freaked out. But that was literally a five minute drive on the farmer's property. So what happens when they're traveling? Not even, it's not even like a few hours. Imagine going on a car journey that's going to take you 12 hours and not having any rest stops. Mm -hmm. Because I'm not, I can't even drive for three hours now without needing to pee. It's quite common for them to end up dead um, from uh, the journeys and it's, it's really horrendous. Um, yes. and, you know, then they end up covered in feces and stressed and it's just not, it's not fair. And so I, I hope that if we push this bill through it, that will change. And I think it's very important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I just, also to me, like I wouldn't, I think that there is where the detachment of meat products kind of comes into it because so many people don't think of as meat as the animal. Like I'm, I, I make my husband laugh all the time because Dale is, is a carnivore, but he's very aware of where meat comes from. And I would say that if he need, if we were going to have a herd of animals and he needed to dispatch it and butcher it, then he would do that if he needed to. And then he would get all the grills on and there would be barbecue for everyone and it would be a lovely time. Um, and there's me in the corner going, I don't like eating the animals. <laughs> <laughs> But oh, it's I'd be sat in the corner with you. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is now, I mean, now personally, the texture of meat, I don't like it. Mm -hmm. Like my brain just goes, no, we don't need to eat that. But I kind of then go on the other extreme of my dogs are fed raw. <laughs> so <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? But again, I try and research so that I know the companies are ethical and that they're using best practice and that it's British meat from British farms and I'm trying to do what I can that's best for the animals and I and I understand that it must seem completely ridiculous I'm a vegetarian that feeds raw but dogs eat meat <laughs> <laughs> and we've chosen to have have a species in our house that eats meat so that's what yeah, they're going to eat we have to allow our animals to express natural behavior it's very important for their welfare and part yeah. of that is having a natural diet. We can't force our dietary choices on our pets. I think that's not... Yeah, right. I'm hoping to do um, an episode about um, vegan dog food very soon because um, I do think insect protein is very interesting. Um, but I think that also a bit more research needs to be done on it because, let's face it, as much as he is a stinky warthog at times, I do not have Pumba living in my house. He is <laughs> a dog, not a warthog. Therefore, he's not eating the bugs. Um, I'm going to tell him that you called him a stinky warthog. <laughs> he's here. He can hear me. <laughs> he gets cold a lot worse, I tell you. Um, especially when he's neck deep in mud and absolutely stanking the place out, um, <laughs> being a creature, bless him. So, so all of that in this bill is huge. And that's yes. why I think, you know, people really need to get behind this petition so that we can get it through um, because it will do so much for animal welfare and, and so much of it were things that were promised in the um, actually in the conservative manifesto so when they were voted in it was promised and it, it should go through that it was part of their action for animals yeah plan and, and which should happen and so we just need to make sure that we pile on the pressure now so that when whoever comes back in in september it's pushed right back up the list of things that they have to do and, and they get on with it Mm -hmm. so apart from obviously signing the petition what else can people do that will help share it shout about it tell your mates about it i think those are tell the, everyone um, in the supermarket yeah, about exactly. it like why not <laughs> i think those are um the the main things that people can do and just really get behind uh, um changing things obviously there are so many different components of it that it's quite difficult to pick out specific actions but yeah. you know you can support different actions in different ways so like the the ear cropping it's always important to educate people when you see that they are talking about thinking about getting a crop dog and explain that it's not just something i mean like the recent thing on that um cartoon was it what dc super pets or whatever the main character you can oh, see i watch lots of cartoons you know what right i actually saw that and i was like yeah. i was like 
Oh, there's a new animal cartoon. Why the fuck's it got its ears cut off? Was my go. first thought. Yeah. And and they do this funny, to make it look like Batman, there's funny things with Bulldog on it or Bully or whatever he is. And um, that's really um, wrong to call that out because that's, that's uh, brainwashing young kids into thinking that that's a normal look. And it's not a normal look. The only way you get a dog to look like that is by chopping bits of its ears off. And the same thing happened with Dobermans because so many people were so used to seeing crop dobies and films and things like that that it became normalised and so we have to stop these things from being normalised in the first place so call them out if you see people uh, um, thinking about getting crop dogs these cartoons or films with crop dogs in tell people how horrible it is how horrendous it is yeah make sure we talk about puppy smuggling and why it's important that we see uh, puppies with their mum um, because you can't see a puppy that's been smuggled or imported uh, and with their mum, like it's not something that you'll see. So that's really important. Um, same, like explaining to people why we shouldn't be declawing cats is super important. Um, and obviously keeping primates as pets, I really hope is obvious. And, and same with that production. <laughs> but yeah, those are things that we really need to um, get on board with. And we've got loads of great organisations supporting this like petition. So I'm really hopeful that it will, it will get there. I mean, like there's the RSPCA, there's Hope Rescue, there's the Fold Group, there's um, Battersea, there's the Pet Theft Awareness, Nature Watch Foundation, Dog Lost. Pet Theft Reform, Stolen and Missing Pets Alliance, Vets Get Scanning, the British Veterinary Association, the UK Centre for Animal Law, Humane Society International, Compassion and World Farming, AppDog. Um, I feel like I'm forgetting one as well. That's terrible. Oh, Scottish SPCA. Um, cool. So that's everyone. There, there might be one or two more over the next couple of days because I've been hammering on every single door that I can find. But, um, that, but that's what you need to do with it. And the thing is having... <sighs> Unfortunately, you need profiles, you need like names that people recognize to go, oh, okay, because straight away you were going through the list and I was like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then you went back to see and I went, oh, okay. And then you went Royal Veterinary Association and I was like, oh, okay, cool. Because th these are like people that can kind of influence others and they do have a lot of support themselves so we just need to keep passing the message don't we and saying to people come on please just sign like it's when I do the rounds, one minute to sign the petition exactly and when i do the rounds on the tv and the radio i'll be doing it with mark abraham and dan who who you know also are super great campaigners and have much bigger followings than me so really hopeful that we can push it through uh, i think it's it's going to happen in fact, guys, if you're listening and you're not driving, if you're driving, then I will forgive you. But if you're not driving and you're listening now, stop right now, go on your phone, go and find this petition and get it signed. And then you can carry on listening to us a bit more. So hopefully people have now signed the thing. Yeah, hopefully. If not, they've got to do it at the end. Um, the Animal Journal, this is the other project yeah which again i feel like deja vu because i'm sure we've already done this <laughs> <laughs> i think we have <laughs> so um, what else have you been up to <laughs> so animal journal is my new site which is where the link to the petition is so get over there but it's also um uh, i kind of created an online news site all about animal health welfare conservation and behavior and so we cover all those different things and we, we run stories from loads of different charities and welfare organizations. Basically, it's just something that's trying to improve the life and well-being of animals. We, we're on the, all the socials. I think we've got um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. That's all the socials I can be bothered to do anyway. Um, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm well impressed you're on TikTok because I... I, I we are. Know. I actually don't do the TikTok videos. We've got a TikTok presenter, and she's brilliant. She's a um, currently a, a vet student and um, has already has a degree in biochemistry, and is just like yeah, she knows her stuff and is is really great because she takes a lot of the written articles and turns them into videos and puts them up on there for that slightly different audience that I'm probably a little bit too old and boring for. So she what? does that for me. Dude, I'm not being funny. If you're fucking old and boring, <laughs> I'm like, I don't stand a hope in hell, do I? Um, you're pink and sparkly. I'm sure you can make it pretty. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, because I'm sort of, I feel that the kind of the, the positive reinforcement trainers are getting a hard time on TikTok. And unfortunately, there's lots of bullshit 
dominance-based. Yeah, it's Americans, isn't it? Very unscientific <laughs> shit going yeah. on. Um, yeah. So it's nice to know that there's counterbalancing this with actual scientific information. Yeah, so we, we do. We do like little videos on there. And then also on all the other platforms, obviously we share all of our articles and stories and um, try and improve the world for animals in, in kind of any way we can. Um, which I love, and we publish stories as well. On the moment, they're on Google News as well, um, so they're right. on the Google News app. We're looking um, at a couple of other news options. We're also just in the middle of trying to turn our um, our website so that you can play articles, which will be quite cool. Um, cool. Yeah, so you should be able to. It's it's the voice we've got at the moment. It's a bit too robotic for me, so I'm trying to find the new one. And then I'll give it a go. But it, it should automatically, you should press a play button. It should just play the article to you and it should read it. Oh, so helpful. that makes it also more inclusive. Which yes, exactly. We like, and we like just making started, things inclusive. Yeah, so we've just started doing like um, alt text on um, articles as well. So that if you are visually impaired, uh, you can hear what's in the pictures. Um, and so we're trying to to improve. If there's anyone out there that, that has any suggestions for more improvements, I'm well open for suggestions. And we we try and open up that conversation to as many people as possible, just so that really we can improve the world for animals um, and do that by sharing good information. I think I got really frustrated whilst running the flop not crop campaign about how many um, newspapers, mainstream and also some of the animal press that would say, oh, how wonderful it is that we're supporting this petition and naughty, naughty person for cropping their dog. And then the next day would share a photo of a celebrity with a cropped dog going, oh, how beautiful. And he's going, no, God. And, and so yeah. it's like those really frustrating double standards that I was hoping to, to get away from and making sure that everything we push out is really welfare centric and always benefits like the animals, um, I think is super important. Yeah, and I think, again, it's raising that awareness of why using certain animals in advertising, in films, in programmes, you know, it's why, unfortunately, we've seen so many of the bracky breeds that have ended up being so extreme in the breeding, because back in the day there was a film called men in black that had a really cute little pug that was like a little agent and it was cool and i feel that it sort of snowballed from there and then all of a sudden like all animals had to have smushed faces and it was like no 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 <laughs> yeah it's certainly that certainly has snowballed and we've done a lot of articles around um extreme breeding you know and uh we've had lots of stuff stuff about the Save Our Breath campaign that the RSPCA was running, which was really great. Um, I mean, you kind of do all sorts with, with various different um, welfare organisations trying to kind of support them. We also host a number of like regular contributor columns. So mm -hmm. we really want it to be like expert centred. So we have one from um, the Association of Vet Behaviour Counselors twice a month with different members like writing columns for us, which is great. Um, it, it gets up really good behaviour advice about all different species, which is amazing because we had a really cool one about parrots the other day. And anyone knows me well knows that I'm a mad parrot lover. Um, and yeah. we also have a monthly column from the UK Centre of Animal Law talking about animal law. Surprise, surprise. And so that's like a really important thing to make sure that we're having really good conversations about legislation and um, how we can improve legislation. We also have one from um, Dr. Mark Abraham, um, who is on there, he, he has just started writing a new column for us, which is great. And he does that monthly, and that's all trying to help people become the best campaigners they can be. Is um, this the Being More Mosquito thing? Yeah, so his book is Being More Mosquito. And a uh, great book, you should all read it. Uh, I'm not being paid, I promise. And um, <laughs> he uh, has started a... We kind of call it Mosquito Corner, but it doesn't have an official name. And it's just about giving people advice how they can be the best campaigners possible and how actually we can all change the world if we try and focus on positivity and, and productivity. And you know, we can make a difference. Anyone can. I mean, listen, let's face it. The whole of the Flop Not Crop campaign, I ran from my bedroom in my pajamas on Zoom because we were in lockdown. So you can do it. You can do it from anywhere. You don't necessarily have to go into Parliament. You can do it from home. And you can make a difference wherever you are. Yeah, um, yeah. And like, I mean, there's like health articles, there's oh, yeah. ones about like 
We've got uh, also Dr. Daniel Daniel Allen. Uh, he writes like a monthly species spotlight. We've got loads of other vets. We've got Emma Milne, the vet, who writes loads of great stuff, often about extreme breeding and various welfare issues. We've got Dr. Sean McCormack. And Sean, um, is, as well as a vet, is a conservationist. And he runs this really, really cool conservation project in London called the Ealing Wildlife Project. And they're basically new wild in London. It's super cool. They've got peregrine falcons and all sorts. And he's applying for, they're applying for a, a beaver license and really amazing stuff. And so he covers all of that in his articles. We've got um, Rory the vet, Rory Carolum, who's a really cool guy. And he does loads of useful health um, bits and pieces for people. So there was one about guinea pigs and uh, um, dogs and what people should expect before they go and get a dog really helpful information and also cat the vet writes for us as well and she um does lots of different welfare bits so there's lots of great um expert-led information which i think i is love important. um things like there was an article um about like the oldest white-tailed eagle pair have just had their 25th chick like oh, i was like ah, oh, the eagles had a baby and you know, when those eagles got together, it sounds really odd, but when those eagles got together, I was only seven. <laughs> How mental is that? Wow, you yeah. were like a little nipper. Um, and also like there was like a nice little article about how to help wildlife like during the hot weather mm -hmm. there's just loads of there's just loads and loads and loads um and we've got we we've got loads of we had like a, a a whole so if you type in in the search bar like gardening so it sounds really odd why would you type that in on an animal site but it comes up with loads of information about how you can help animals in your garden so all the articles that will come out will be about things that you can do at home so like uh, um, creating wildlife ponds and and, and uh, how to create proper uh, compost heaps and things like that and how that helps animals and the kind of environment around them you know animals animals and the environment need as much help as we can give them at the moment so one of the um in in my garden as i kind of walk from the patio bit into the actual garden bit i've got two big lavender trees and it's just covered in bees at the moment and i love it like I love just stands out there and just listening to the little bees being all busy and and then you see the butterflies there was a dragonfly the other day which considering wow. how close to London I am I was like wow and then here we go funny story so I got educated a little bit on Facebook yesterday because while I was setting up for my hoopers class I saw a bumblebee and I was like oh there's a bumblebee on the floor I need to make sure I move that because I don't want any of the dogs treading on it or that getting squashed or getting stung or anything else. Then I realized there was another bee attached to it. And I was like, hmm, well, apparently there was some bee loving going on in my <laughs> field yesterday. And I had to kind of remove them from the training area because literally they were like right where the handler needed to be was right where these bees had decided was the appropriate place. <laughs> But then I found out that apparently the boy bee dies after, which yeah, was really sad. It, uh, it's quite common, actually. That the yeah, boy... the girls are ruthless. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> they get, like, I mean, you see some of the spiders and stuff, they get eaten. <laughs> no, they've done their job. Yeah, you're yeah, hungry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's quite funny. <laughs> quite yeah, like, the, the, the women are pretty brutal, but one of the farmers was coming down and, like, in the tractor, because I was there in the middle of harvesting at the moment. And I was like, um... I've just moved two bees. He was like, oh, yeah, the boy will be dead soon. I was like, wow, that's that's pretty brutal, actually. Like, have you no know idea? I, mean... I don't know what I thought, but I've just never, like, apparently I did not know about the birds and the bees as well as I thought. <laughs> I did. You know, we also had a cool article about talking about bumblebees, about a, a population of really rare bumblebees that were found in Carmarthen in, in, in Wales. And they were discovered there, like surviving and actually doing surprisingly well. So we have all sorts of stuff on the site. It, it can we be right the way from. Days. Yeah, they're beautiful creatures, um, and we cover we cover so much. So I think there's something there for everybody. Yes. Um, yeah, if you love animals, there'll definitely be something on there for everyone. And there is a um, pop up that pops up every now and again that asks you to sign up. Um, it's free if you sign up and you can press no thanks and it will go away and just reappear next time you read an article and if you do sign up it never appears again so that's your choice <laughs> oh, that tricky marketing yeah 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 if you want to get rid of this irritating pop-up give us your email address <laughs> yes yeah, yeah. 
uh, join our, our mailing list. Thank you. <laughs> but the thing is that as well, what I like is that the articles are kind of nice bite size. Like if you're sitting down for a quick cup of tea or you've got a little gap between clients or whatever, you can just kind of have a flick through, read a little article. It's much better for your brain cells than getting into like a Facebook discussion or following yeah, yeah. the latest like Twitter thread of whatever's happened in the world. Like definitely and they're really nice kind of good wholesome information yeah they're, they're nice easy reads as well for everyone so we try and make it as accessible as possible and even the way our fonts i know it sounds really weird but even the way our fonts are set up on the page is so that anybody with like eyesight problems and things can actually read quite a lot um and if they can't hopefully we'll have a play button soon so that's also really helpful and we do like if you do sign up we do send out a monthly um highlights so like that we'll send out like a monthly highlights of all the best stories or top stories i suppose who gets to define what's best but the top stories certainly um mm -hmm. and uh they get sent straight to the email your email and then you can just flick through those because i know some people aren't so keen on social and so yeah. like, manage to keep up with things so we try and really as much as possible to take things off of social media and you can access it directly through the site, through your emails and things like that instead, so that you don't have to be on social all the time because it can be a bit of a funny old place. Um, well, the thing is as well, though, depending on what the algorithms decided to do on the day, mm -hmm. sometimes you see stuff that's actually really useful and relevant. And like the other day, I was seeing posts that were four days old and I was like, why is he showing me things from four days ago? I don't understand. <laughs> like, it just made no sense. And I'm like pushing the screen down, trying to make it refresh. And then it was like, oh, no, you can have stuff from three days ago. And I was like, right, I know I haven't been on social media because I've been away competing, but I don't need to catch up on 72 hours of Facebook. I just wanted the highlights, people. So I like the fact that you can get up-to-date information without having to troll the socials. Yeah. Definitely. I think it's really important and we will try. That's why we went onto the Google News app as well, so that people can use that. And we will try and look at a couple of other apps as well, just to try and find ways that people don't always have to be on social to read stuff, mm -hmm. um, because I think that's important. Um, I think it's, yeah, it's very important for people's well-being. I'm just thinking about what you're saying about the play function, though. That, for me, is really exciting. So I'm not going to lie. Quite often, I struggle to read stuff, mm -hmm. like to sit down and actually concentrate on reading things. My brain just sometimes goes, nope. Whereas I can listen. I listen to books all the time. I listen to podcasts. Obviously, we know I like talking, but <laughs> I just think clearly I'm I'm an auditory person and I like listening stuff. So if I can like listen to cool stuff about animals. Yeah, we will. We'll have a play button at the top of hopefully every article at some point once. Yeah. Um, we figured it out. I know there's a few technical glitches at the moment, but we of working. course there is because yeah, there's always a technical glitch. Always, <laughs> always. Um, but it's getting there. So at least it's moving in the right direction, and that that hopefully will be something that happens. Um, and and then we've also got like yeah, all those alt text on the images. Just trying to make it really so that people can can read. And if you don't, we also do on TikTok. So if you don't want to um, even sit and listen to a full article. On the TikTok videos, we do like a weekly, I say we, um, I don't, but there's a the weekly, royal way. Yeah, <laughs> week, there's a weekly um, roundup, a news roundup of just all the stories that have been in the week. So a little short video with some of the images from the articles and you know, chatting about what was in the articles and stuff like that. So um, yeah, Jemima does all of that. She's great. And you can go and watch those. And sometimes that's a little bit easier and more bite-sized for people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is there any YouTube stuff? No, not yet, actually. And that is on the radar. We're looking at doing more long form videos. But at the moment, our plates are so full. I think that won't be until after the summer when I'm going to also start a master's, which is bonkers. So I don't know how I'm going to have the time to. <laughs> you know, so after you, you went, right, do you know what? I'm not doing any more campaigning. I'm okay, going to focus holiday, on the Animal Journal. And then you went, well, I'm going to do that, but I'm also going to start a new campaign. And then, feck it, let's just add a master's in for good measure. <laughs> why, why wouldn't you? Yeah, why not? Let's um, just spin some more plates and see what happens. So, yeah, luckily it's from uh, home and I can spread it up to about three years, but I don't want to take that long. And it's a master's in animal welfare policy and legislation. And oh. so it's just so that I can, I work with a lot with lawyers and they speak in lawyer speak. 
and, and ugh, that's your face. I said it'd be really nice. Um, it'd be really nice to uh, be able to speak a bit more lawyerish. So that's what I am uh, going to go and study so that I can uh, uh, brush up on everything. But also, it will be good that you can then explain lawyer speak to yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> and other listeners that don't actually need to know the proper lawyer speak but it'd be nice to know roughly what they're going on about so yeah and just good to have that grounding you know my mum was giggling because she said oh the summer didn't even finish his a-levels I went yep <laughs> and this is the thing isn't it I was I was chatting with um, a friend about this um the other day because one of her kids is just about to go into sixth form and the other one's just about to start senior school and I was like wow like I go back because like the the one that's going in sixth form they're they were worried about the choices and what they were going to do and how they're coping with it and they're finding it quite a lot mm. and she she turned around to them and was like if it's too much and you don't want to do it don't do it yeah and and they were like huh what because they didn't think that the parents would go that's okay but do you know what both parents run their own businesses have very successful businesses didn't do that well at school. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> um, I, I didn't. Yeah. I completely and, messed and up I my GCSEs and fucked up my A-levels. So, you know. I think there's something to be said for waiting um, until you find your passion in life. Not always everyone does, but, you know, like I, I'm, what, 32, and now I've found the thing that makes me passionate, and it's the thing that I really want to do, and I will work my socks off to make sure I get it because I love it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a big thing. If you're doing something just for the sake of doing it, there's probably no point. And actually, you can learn more about yourself out in the world um, and come back to it later. I don't think we have to view it as such a, a fixed thing. You know, there's nothing wrong with going into education at a later date and, and actually going into the world at a younger date if that's what you want. Yeah. And I think as well, like your, your brain is more developed for learning and as you say, I think when you've like picked a master's it's because that's what you want to learn and you're, you're passionate about the subject. Um, I think that there is massive pressure on young'uns to do a lot of learning very quickly, especially academic stuff that I'm not going to lie. I would have much preferred that rather than me fading GCSE maths three times, um, mm. cause it was more than once. Um, <laughs> That maybe if they'd actually taught me how to do like a tax return properly, that would have been helpful. Yeah, yeah, super helpful. There's loads because of really that's helpful. maths. I now yeah. sit there every month, three months at the end of January when I go, oh shit, I've got a week to get my tax return in. Um, but you know, I have to sit there and go, right, I've got to add this up and take this up and da 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 da. I feel that that's a much better lesson than algebra. <laughs> I'll be honest, right? So Dale. My, my lovely other half is a builder and he uses algebra a lot when he's building and working out maths and sums and things and angles and stuff. I get that. But if you don't do a job where angles are important or you need to know what an amount's going to be out of this, then surely knowing how to add things up correctly is much more important. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> how to ba- I mean, you don't balance checkbooks anymore. I'm showing my bloody age now. Jordan's like, what the fuck's a checkbook? You were going to say that. You Uh, know what bloody checkbook is, checking on them. But, you know, those are all things now. Like, kids do coding now at school. So they understand that, like, that's... So I kind of feel like, right, so hang on. So we can teach kids how to use computers because we understand how important that is. But... You can teach my generation how to like be self-employed efficiently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and how to run a business, and 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 I think that would be such a great skill for people to learn. But marketing, I would have loved to have done like you know, let's do a GCSE on how to run a mini business, and imagine that you're going to run your little business in doing whatever, and you have to try and work out your idea and everything. I was like, what a cool thing would that be to do? Like, even if it was just one term on how to set up a mini business. Brilliant. 
that'd be so cool. We've completely divulged away from dog training. But <laughs> the thing is... How to play with puppy dogs. That would be a cool one. I did that at school anyway. I never used to go to any lessons. I used to just walk my teacher's dogs. That was what I did my whole time at school. I was so, so lucky. My parents went nuts because they actually paid for me to go to school. I don't know why they bothered. And I used to just spend my whole time walking dogs. That was, that was what I did. <laughs> you went to a fancy school and learned yeah. about dogs. Awesome. Yeah. But look where it's taken you. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there, there's some irony in that my, 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 my mum used to say to me all the time she goes oh we came back from another parents evening and all the teachers they used to always say how what much of a lovely guy you are but that you do no work and that you spend your whole time walking their dogs well what can I say <laughs> that's what I enjoy well yeah yeah <laughs> I mean you know yeah there we go that's the whole thing right so Jordan if people want to do more help more find out more where can they find the stuff that they need animaljournal.co.uk and um we are on facebook instagram tiktok twitter all the links to those are on the top of the website on the uh, funny top bar navigation cool. and i will do a link in the show notes to Ooh. the animal journal and hopefully um laughing that i didn't pass English A level, but I'm actually going to contribute to the animal journey. Oh, yeah, so yeah. I will use some of those apparently really bad English skills I have. <laughs> Don't worry, we've got a very good editor. <laughs> for that. It's all yeah. <laughs> so um yeah, anything about uh, uh, your amazing doggy sports would be lovely. Yeah, we definitely need to get more hoopers in the world and get mm -hmm. more dogs doing the good fun stuff and just doggy croquet it looks like great fun it it basically is dog croquet it's it's a whole thing yeah, love it <laughs> <laughs> but it's just and i and i love it and it's so much fun and the other thing that i always thought that dog sports was going to be kind of quite an intimidating thing to get into and some of them are and obviously the level the dogs need to be trained to but i have to say hooper's competitions are so bloody friendly and they're so welcoming and you know at this point i've been competing 18 months now i literally feel like i've got this whole nother family of crazy dog people that like playing croquet with their dogs yeah. um but it's a super you know inclusive sport isn't it i mean like any dog really can go and do a bit of hoopers and it's something that any dog and their owner can do which is great i think that's a super valuable thing without putting too much pressure and stress on them and on the people i think that's really nice just go and have fun with your dog basically exactly that and one thing so uk hoopers um who i judge for um have just introduced we have a nursery and legends class which oh. is for the dogs that are quite young that aren't quite ready to going with the big dogs but they want to get a little bit of ring experience but also the ones that are a bit older maybe don't want to compete so much maybe you know are just getting a bit tired or a little bit deaf a little bit blind so we have a simpler course for the for the nurseries and the legends which i just yeah and i'm judging my first one next weekend which i'm really excited about um and also one of the other organizations i um judge for kaluki they now use the baseless hoops which means there's absolutely no bar on the floor, which means um, potentially if you had a little dog that was in wheels, they oh, could wow. still come and play hoopies because... Super cool. Yeah, so we can literally have all the dogs playing. Um, and I mean, I love the bassist hoops. Um, they're brilliant. But I just love the fact that hoopers is just so, as you say, it's so inclusive for all mm. the dogs, all the breeds, all the ages. And, and the handlers as well. And the thing is, because... With a lot of the sports, you do need to be a bit more mobile. You mm -hmm. do need to be kind of a bit more dexterous. I always joke, Hoopers is like lazy dog sport because I just stand in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> Literally just stand and tell my dog where I need it to go. And obviously it's a lot of training to get up that distance work. But also, like, we have kids coming through that are learning that want to run with their dogs and they're fit and young. They can do running so they can run. But actually, the better the dogs get, the more distance happens anyway. And you just see these kids starting to distance handle. And they're like, wow, because there's something a little bit magic being about 10 metres away from your dog at all times when they go around a course. Yeah, super. Especially when you're, you're able to uh, cue them and they're listening and they're, they're really enjoying themselves. It must be great fun. The only downside of it is it's not helpful when there's also cake. 
Ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> because there tends to be cake as well. There's generally good food, good company, dogs having a lovely time, and me standing in the middle directing, which just doesn't burn the calories. <laughs> and when I judge, I'm sitting in a chair. It's even <laughs> lazier. Brilliant. How exciting. Well, maybe I have to come and watch one one day. Lazy dog sports. I yeah. tell you, it's a thing. It is a thing. I have to come and watch you and Dodge competing one day. I think that would be quite fun. You do. You need yeah. to come and see and meet the creature and come and have a lovely time because he, he loves it. And actually, the last show we were at, and you'll understand how amazing this is, um, not only did he qualify for the finals and he's now the best shepherd in the uk no. because he won the shepherd league but the wonderful becky um i was judging on the friday and my wonderful friend becky handled him on the friday so i was judging and becky handled him in four classes and wow. got i think it was two clears one forward run and then had a lovely play with him as well and he went off with becky and did the good boy running so amazing that's yeah. brilliant yeah, Which I'm cool. really, really proud of because for him to be away from me is a lot of pressure, but for him to be away from me competing with someone else while I'm there, the only thing, Becky finished the run and I'd managed to watch it from two rings away. And as she finished, I cheered before yeah. she'd got hold of him. And we did nearly have Dodge coming across the showground to find me. <laughs> um, Becky, I'm sorry, I'll make sure you're attached to the dog next time before I cheer him. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's just... And also to me, it just shows how much more confident he is and how much he enjoys doing the sport when he's happy to do it with someone else as well as me. So it's cool. Yeah, excellent. Well, thank you so much for having me on and let me mess up your schedule. <laughs> Darling, you always mess up the bloody schedule, honestly. I mean, to be fair, it probably takes about eight appointments to actually get it recorded anyway, because of one thing or another. Um, yeah. Yeah, if, if ever you need to book Jordan for something, get three dates in the diary because he might make one of them. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's actually a true story. Yeah, right, so guys, until the next time, um, if you want to buy me a coffee, you can do that at buymeacoffee.com forward slash hoopers. Um, you can follow us on all the social medias at Canine Hoopers World. You can follow Dodge and Minx at Dodge Shepherd at Minx Chihuahua on the Insta. And until next time, stay safe. Be kind, wash your hands thoroughly, keep your dogs on lead around livestock yes. and don't let them lick toads. Take care, guys. Bye. Website www.caninehoopersworld.com Canine Hoopers World now has achievement awards online so anyone, anywhere can test their teamwork and get one of our beautiful rosettes. There's even one for puppies. The website will tell you more about that and Hoopers, how to find an instructor. We also offer online training. There are beginners courses, we offer online training in distance handling and there are instructor courses for dog trainers. Join us on Facebook, we have a friendly international group and follow us on Instagram at Canine Hoopers World. Canine Hoopers World, everyone's invited.